Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you my cousin, who happens to be not only this fabulous effervescent personality and TV producer, but he is a professional Santa Claus, and today Ooh. is Christmas Day. So this <laughs> is Jonathan Meath, one of my favorite people, and welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice so, to be here. Well, My so digital self. Your digital self. Exactly. It's such a treat to have you on the show. And I mean, I see you in the summer, but I really don't have a chance to connect with you on the other times of the year. So it's such a treat to be able to use digital tools to connect, to right. l learn a little bit more about your story. So I know a little bit about your story, but obviously... Santa is a big part of your life, and most of my listeners probably are most familiar with your Coca-Cola Santa, which you've been doing since 2016, and so your face is very familiar to a lot of them, although they may not know the rest of what's behind Jonathan. Can you tell us a little well, bit about your story? Sure. There's my story, and then there's my digital story. My, you know, there, We do have a digital self these days. So my story is I come from a large extended family, which you are part of, and uh, that involved growing up in Baltimore and spending summers in New Hampshire and on the Cape. And so I have a very solid New England background, but now I'm living in Honolulu, which is marvelous. Mm. And I am also a denizen, I'll use that word, of the internet and have been involved in the internet and using the tools of the internet and the digital world for a long time. And my feelings about that have evolved, especially around the fact that I do have this sort of dual persona. I am a television producer and have made children's television and have made children's television one of the centers of my life. I care deeply about children. And then that led to this crazy little thing that is... Uh, Santa Claus and being Santa Claus and portraying Santa Claus and and also being a mentor to other Santas. So I got involved about 11 years ago in uh, the world of Santa Claus. And the way that happened was my wife bought me a Santa suit, oh. uh, a subtle message to say, you're getting a little too chubby. She <laughs> found it on eBay and uh, it's a wonderful Santa suit, vintage 1950s suit from a department store in Pittsburgh. And the signature that they had was they had a white fur belt, which mm -hmm. has been tired at this point. But much to her chagrin, actually, <laughs> rather than saying, oh, yeah, I'm a little too big and mm, I should do something about that. I embraced the suit and said, <laughs> OK, so Santa, huh? That's an idea. And he evolved. And like so many, I'm going to tell you a little story that is truly like so many. There is a thing that happens to people that try this persona out. You think it's kind of wacky and you think, oh, well, I'll try having kids on my lap and we'll see what that's about. 
and then you do it and you experience the joy that the kids have and that embodies you, that takes over. Santa comes to you and says, you have to do this right and you mm. have to embody me and you have to hold up the values that are Santa Claus. And you really, you feel it and your heart glows and the kids see it and you see it in the kids' eyes. And that's really hard to give up. And that is a story that I've heard repeated over and over and over from different Santas. Sounds pretty magical. It, it is magical. It's, that is what, what it is. And so it, it's kind of hard to give up. I can imagine. I mean, it, the ability to be able to embody that. And I mean, I talk a lot about developing a gratitude practice, but I would think that mm -hmm. by doing something like that, you're sort of living that gratitude practice and you're, you're helping others experience that as well. And you're creating yeah. memories that will are for a lifetime. Yes, exactly. And I have to say, on reflection, you do realize that in our society and in our culture, there are precious and few male role models that are about giving and joy and love and caring about others. And once I realized that I had that voice as Santa, then there was no stopping. I think that our society needs male role models that are about joy and love. And here I am. And I hope I do it well. Oh, I love that. And I'm sure you're an amazing Santa. Obviously, you are because you've received awards and you've been on ABC, Good Morning America, Radio City Music Hall, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the list goes on. So clearly, you're doing Santa's work awfully well. So, Well, thanks. Uh, all of those kudos are, are great to have, but really it does come down to being one-on-one -on -one with the child. Yeah, And uh, just to tell a few more stories about that, one of the sweet spots and one of the really just joyful situations is the relationship that Santa has with six-year-old girls. Six-year-old girls are where it really happens because mm. when, when, and you can really feel it when you're sitting in the chair as a Santa and that girl comes into the room she, A, launches herself into the air and you have to catch her. <laughs> She's coming in. <laughs> and then sits down on your knee, looks at you and says, so Santa, remember last week when I was telling you about Betsy or one of her friends? In other words, the conversation with Santa in their mind, in the mind of a six-year-old girl, is ongoing mm. and is, is present. And they just believe it, and it is it is their heart on display and communing with Santa, and it's wonderful. And so you just you roll with it, and you say, "Yeah, last week, I, mm, yep." And and when you were here last year, you told me about, and they roll with it too. It's wonderful. It's it sounds amazing. Yeah. 
It, it is amazing. It, it really sounds amazing. I mean, what yeah. a, what a what a gift. And I think from what I was just looking at your profile, and you've got all these really great experiences working in, as you said, in your dual persona, working with mm. television and uh, kids TV shows. I mean, one of my absolute favorites growing up was Zoom. So when I saw Zoom on your profile, I went, oh! But I was thinking about one of the things that I remembered about Zoom, and I was probably about that age of that seven-year-old girl, yeah. is yeah. at that time, it was sending out a letter, like a postcard to Zoom, to the address for Zoom, and they would send you back sort of these maker kits or or yeah. just the, you know, different creative ideas. And it was... Yeah. You know, now, of course, that kind of thing is all done digitally and it's really fast and you just go to a website, but it was still that community of engaging kids in their joyful learning process. Yes. And yes. And, I, and that's what we continued on. I mean, my version of Zoom was, I believe, the second version of Zoom. You were used to the, the earlier version. In 1999, we brought it back. And we did have a huge digital component. And it's part of the reason we brought it back was that that feedback loop that you're talking about in, in the original 60s, end of the 60s Zoom, you did it by only by mail. Mm-hmm. Oh, two, one, three, four. Was our Send it code. to Zoom. <laughs> Send it to Zoom. And we continued that. And we, we still had letters coming in, but we also got thousands of submissions via the web. And the wonderful thing is we were able to do that digital feedback loop, digital now because of the web, and update the website every week with new suggestions. So we did 500 new suggestions every week coming in over the web, which was fabulous. And if you go and look at the PBS website, the Zoom website is still up and you can see many, many, many of those suggestions. Oh, wow. The great thing about Zoom And the conceit, if you will, is that Zoom presents an environment that is only kids and kids feedback to kids, kids helping other kids. A Zoomer is a doer. And in the world of Zoom, you're in this black box television studio and there are no adults. And the kids are reading back and saying, okay, we got this challenge from Betsy, who lives in Newburyport. And she asks us to do an egg drop or speak a dubby or do a play or whatever. But it's kids and kids. And you never see adults in that world, in that television world. And that's something that, that was very important to me to keep as the producer, to keep that world a child world. Yeah, it's a, a very sacred weird. space. Yes, a sacred space where kids are just kids. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the best moments in that show are when the kids are doing discussion and they're talking amongst themselves and they say, "Oh, what does that word mean?" and "What how who and what and where?" and they start questioning amongst themselves. It's great. So, yeah, bringing Zoom back was really important and the the reason we did that was in developing television shows and different television shows. I also did a show called Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? And My kids love that we, one. We, of course, would have development sh- development meetings where we would talk about what, what should we make as our next kids show and where should we go. And in those days, we kept saying, 
well, like on Zoom, we should do X. And like on Zoom, we should do Y. And at the end of one of those meetings, we turned around and all looked at each other and said, why don't we just do Zoom again? And that's exactly what we did. So you're still doing uh, the production side of it. So do you have any I, new fun projects you want to share of, or are you allowed to uh, share? Well, or? the new fun, fun project that I think I'd want to share right now is something that I've been thinking about for a couple of years, which is it involves augmented reality. Mm. And it's something that uh, you might be familiar with augmented reality around the Pokemon games from about a year ago. Mm -hmm. The Um, What I've been playing with and talking to a number of people about is doing some sort of a Santa augmented reality where Santa can or elves can step in via the iPhone or, or any other phone platform and come into a child's reality. And it's, a, it's, again, a digital way of expanding the world of Santa. I love and yet, it. And yet keeping, keeping it very real. Yeah. So that's, that's something that I've been playing around with. And I've been uh, – the other thing that's kept me busy in the past few years is doing some special small documentary videos for um, Johns Hopkins. Mm. Uh, they have a school of public health, and we're very involved in anti-smoking campaigns around the – world. So I've been doing that. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing that too. And like you said, you know, we, we tend to these days, we have so many different personas and different things that we're involved in, but they're all sort of different parts of passion projects for us. And so it's, it's uh, great for you to be able to see that you're doing interesting things in different spaces and just using your incredible creativity and skill set. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to take a really quick pause for a little self-promotion because um, as I mentioned to you before, we're in our green room. I just launched my new book, Digital Self-Mastery Across Generations, and it is now available anywhere that online books are sold. And so you can get it in a couple days. And one of the fun things about the way publishing goes today is that with print on demand, people all over the world can order the book and it takes you know, four or five days for them to get it max, because it's just printed right there at their local and whatever their their local distribution center is. So they don't have to wait for somebody to ship it all the way from America or whatever. So just wanted to share that because I'm really excited about that book. And it gives a lot of insight that I think is important to think about going into the next year of thinking about how we balance our digital selves and really think about self-care and making sure that that relationship with technology is one that is more harmonious and that we are basically leading the relationship rather than being led by it. So just wanted to share that with you. We're not doing a sponsor today, just sharing my book. So there'll be links for that in the show notes in case anybody's interested. And I'd like to speak right to digital self in relation to Santa, if I may. Absolutely. There has been some learning around that. You know, Representing Santa and the the idea of Santa as a caring and giving person and also as an icon for children and for adults, one has to be very careful of, you know, there is Jonathan and there is Santa. And I don't want, I want the two to be separate most of the time. I mean, here I am talking about it together. But it's a relevant topic of discussion around digital self. 
one of the things that I discovered in the past 10 years of being Santa and being digital, I have a very big presence on LinkedIn and on I, Jonathan, have a big presence on LinkedIn and on other platforms because it helps me to promote what I do and my skill set around children's television and it gets me speaking gigs and gets me uh, invitations to various conferences about children's television. But at the same time, I want Santa to have a presence. And originally, when I first started this, I had a Santa website and I had a, a Santa Twitter feed and I had a, this and that. And I was playing with all of that. And really in serendipity, I fell, fell into what I think is the right balance. And I'm speaking to balance apropos of your book. Mm-hmm. With Santa, of course, people need to know how to get a hold of me in terms of my agency and how you can hire me. But that is way, 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 way in the background. Mm-hmm. What ended up working was not the website and it was not the, uh, the Twitter feed. And it really doesn't matter what I, Jonathan, as Santa, want to say. What has worked for me and I think is the right balance is one picture. Mm. It really is simple as better. There is a picture that I posted on uh, my Wikipedia page. I had the honor of someone creating a Wikipedia page for me, serendipity. Mm. And they wanted a picture. And I gave them one picture, one of my early pictures. And that picture has been become the background for multiple I mean, by multiple, I mean dozens of memes. And it gets used by various people that want to represent Santa. And I gave permission to Wikipedia to post it in public for the public consumption as long as I get credited. Mm -hmm. There is an accreditation. But now, if you Google Santa Claus, and I hope your viewers and listeners will try this, what comes up is a picture of me. Is that picture? I love it. And when you click on it, it gives you an article about me, not Santa, Mm -hmm. but that picture alone, that image representation, works for me for my digital self as Santa, and I don't need to do anything else. And that's what's evolved in 10 years. I love that. And I think it's so important to recognize sort of that's also built some very clear boundaries for you in that, you know, otherwise it could end up being that, you know, you're getting all the letters, for example, saying, you know, please, dear Santa. And well, then that's a whole different responsibility. And Uh, and many other people in the business and, and that are actors and or representers, and they try to promote that. And I certainly... And in the beginning felt like, oh, I need to, I need to do this. No, it's much better to step back and find the boundary and allow a representation to be out there. Well, it works for me. Yeah. Let me just say that. Yeah. No, I I think I I commend you on your ability to do that. And, and it sounds like it happened sort of serendipitously. It wasn't necessarily, oh, well, you know, I need to shut all these other things down. Let's leave it at the image. Oh. It, yes, it, it was serendipitous. It was also me saying back in those days, 
also saying, you know what? This is a, a public persona. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give pi- the picture permission. Many Santas guard their image too, too tightly, I mm-hmm. would say. And many people do that too. They guard their image. They guard their, their expertise. It, it also speaks to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. The LinkedIn at first, when it first started and I was very involved, I had a, I had a uh, discussion group with over 5,000 people called Linked Innovators that mm-hmm. I ran because I really believed in the original proposal that LinkedIn made, which was keep your information guarded, only share with six other people or the, your closest friends and stay connected. And, and that proposition changed for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And about three years in, LinkedIn decided, oh, you know what? We're really about connecting everybody. Mm-hmm. And they changed their philosophy. And part of the reason they changed their philosophy was to make money. But I, at that point, had bought into the idea of keep relevant information very close. And I still do in many ways. But I also learned that in order to have a digital presence and in order to be out in the public in that way, you have to open up your your feelings about privacy. Mm-hmm. And in that way, there are many things that I'm just totally open with. One of the first ones being that image of Santa. Mm-hmm. And it's served me well to do that. Yeah. It has helped me professionally. And it speaks to your topic, digital self. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, LinkedIn is an interesting one. I spent many years uh, teaching social strategy and and working a lot with leadership to help them understand the importance of having, you know, having a presence on these and sort of how do you engage authentically and build proper boundaries so that it's actually an effective tool rather than a time suck. And, um, but a lot of that when I was back when I was teaching was much more like you were saying, where it wasn't necessarily about quantity, it was about the quality of the connections. And it was really about, you only connect with those people that you have enough of a relationship with, that you can base a referral on that you can base a connection on. So if somebody reached out to me and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, you're connected to I see you're connected to this person. Would you mind making an introduction? Or do you know if they're good at, might they be a good person for, that I would actually be able to not even necessarily have to pull them up and say, oh, yeah, that person is good at this. Or, well, maybe actually here's somebody else based on what you're asking Mm -hmm. for. And now it seems like, okay, you go to a conference and you collect business cards and you scan everybody in and connect to them on LinkedIn. And you may have only had a two-second interaction. So If that. If that. So, yeah. You know, so there's much less of this quality connection and more of the quantity connection. And I really fought that when I, and I still, I'm still somewhere on the fence with that. I I won't connect with someone that I I don't have some ability to do some kind of a reference. So either they've seen me speak and we've had a conversation or they've been in one one of my workshops or we, you know, we've actually gone and had dinner together and enjoyed each other's company and and share mm-hmm. some like-minded ideas and or even different ideas about similar topics. So 
but I but I do think that the whole culture of LinkedIn has really changed, and that's yeah. uh, that's challenging because you have people like us, and then you have the other side. So it's hard to know the value of a connection that's no longer you can't take that for granted anymore. Right, you can't you can't take it for granted, and yet one wants to be out and in the digital world simply because it it makes the world larger. Mm-hmm. I mean, or smaller. Or smaller. <laughs> it makes the whole world feel like just a big community rather than... Well, yeah, there's the global village aspect to it. But there's also the, sh- the sharing of, of ideas that is so important. Absolutely. It's, it's what we're about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, I didn't mention this in the green room, but I was really excited to see your daughter's been doing some really cool stuff. She's an amazing, yes, she has. she's an amazing musician. And she uses a lot. The only reason that I know about her music is because we get to see it on social media. And, and yeah. that's been really, really exciting. And I don't know if you could share a little bit about what she's been doing from either well, from a father's perspective or how you I might have supported share, in I that can process. share, yeah, from a father's perspective. I know that she feels very, well, I should say not feels, she is very engaged and very clear about the messages that she sends, the frequency with which she sends, and editing herself before. And in the spirit of editing, I think you should speak to her about that. I'm I think Fair you, should reach out, you should reach out to her and speak to her about it. But you're absolutely right. She, being a 30-year-old now, really has a finger on the pulse of what she wants to communicate and how she wants to communicate it. And she is an advocate for causes and very clear about the persona of her various bands. She has two, Mountain Man and Sylvanesso, and her digital presence is very important to her, and she understands that. And it's funny, we were one anecdote I can give you is we were talking just the other day about you know the phenomenon of uh, year end lists, and if Billboard puts you on their list, or she has a favorite blog group called, of all things, Aquarium Drunkard which has a wonderful list of jazz artists, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. And they listed Mountain Man uh, on their list of the best albums of the year. But she says it doesn't really matter Mm. that much as it used to. That in, in this day, lists are fun and they're important and it's nice to have the recognition, but it doesn't really increase the audience size. Mm. But what does increase the audience size is knowing who those people are and knowing who the band is and what they believe in. And she works hard on that. Yeah. I think it would be an interesting conversation. For well, you. I would love I to talk I to her. Yeah. And, and uh, in case you missed uh, the name of it, Sylvan Esso and Mountain Man, and we'll make sure, I'll make sure to put the links um, oh, please do. For, uh, on this podcast uh, notes, because I think that I just, I love what she's doing. And and it's fun for me. One of the things that, that I really enjoy about things like Facebook is that even though she's in a different generation than I am, and we're, we're cousins, but we're so far apart in, you know, we, we didn't really grow up together. And I see her occasionally in the summer, but oh. 
I, because of social media, I know what she's doing and I can say, hey, you know, I can be part of her cheering squad. That's and, right. And, and otherwise I wouldn't even know because she wouldn't have been part of my children's peers or, or my peers. She's in that sort of in-between group. Right. And um, so and yet, I love that. And yet you're, you feel connected. Yes. Yeah. It, it is a wonderful thing about social media. She feels very strongly about Facebook. She doesn't do Facebook anymore, although each band has its presence on Facebook. She doesn't do it as an individual. Twitter is her platform. She loves that. And speaking of that and self-promotion, yes. uh, one thing that I do do now is hashtag Santa JG. Ah. That's what I hashtag any, and I do it only infrequently. But if there's a Santa picture or something that Santa should be interested in, hashtag Santa JG is how you find me. And Santa at SantaJG.com is how someone can get into my inner circle. In terms of Jonathan, it's JGMeath at Mac.com. There, that's my little, that's how you can get a hold of me. I love it. And I do, I, I recommend anybody go check out Jonathan's work because I just, I, I love what you're doing on both sides. Uh, or I should say all three, because you really, and I'm sure there's many other facets of Jonathan beyond well, those and three. You can, you can look at my Wikipedia page. If you Google Jonathan Meath, the Wikipedia page comes up. And if you Google Santa Claus, a picture there of me goes. comes up. There he goes. Well, we might have to we might have to share Crazy. that one on the uh, on the podcast notes too, Crazy. because I think it'd be fun yeah, for sure. everybody to see. Go right ahead. But Jonathan, it's such a treat to talk with you, and I'm I'm just loving the fact that you're in Hawaii. It just sort of I'm just sort of imagining your Hawaii is back. a whole new adventure. The New England boy in in Hawaii. I mean, yeah. how great is that? Yeah. It's pretty great. You know, I, I have realized I've been here for six months now. And the big adventure for me was moving to New York. Mm. That was exotic and wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, got out of Boston. Oh, my God. And I spent time in London. And, you know, I've been around. I'm, you know, I'm ancient. Uh, but Hardly. coming to Hawaii, it's really amazing that it's a whole different world. It almost, I mean, I feel like an expat in some ways, and yet it is the United States. And I had this fantasy that Honolulu was a big city. Mm -mm. It's a small town. Mm. You go to concerts, you go to events, all the same people are here. It's like I live in Cambridge. Vermont. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like living in Broadmoor. <laughs> Except much warmer. Much warmer, yeah. You probably got some... <laughs> and a lot more water. Yeah, a little better weather, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a mix-up. It's a mix-up of... It's almost like the Cape in terms of the amount of water, and it's very much... It's way different than Florida or the Caribbean. Yeah. It's beautiful and wonderful here. And the people are so friendly. And yet you're still connected because you've got obviously great internet. So we're able to do this Zoom conference to be able to do the interview. So it doesn't matter how remote you are, you're still here. I That's love that. right. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah. Reality and digital. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I love it when those two worlds can actually complement each other and they connect us even in the off season. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been such oh. a treat having you on my show. 
And, Great pleasure. Yeah. For those of you who've been listening, don't try to write down any of this information. You'll just check out the show notes because it's all there. You'll be able to find Jonathan and Santa JG and Sylvan Connections, Esso. Connections to my commercials. All, oh my gosh. The, all the good stuff. So we'll make sure that we you can you. find it. Yes, we love Coca-Cola, especially when he takes care of our Santa JG. So, and no, I, I, whenever I see those commercials, I have sort of, a, it makes me even happier because I'm like, oh, there's Jonathan. I'm glad. I'm so glad. It, well, it, for me, it's really about Santa and about that idea of being the male icon who is about joy and peace and, and you, love. You play it well. So thank you for being such an amazing Santa and an amazing person and and for sharing yourself today with us. So oh, um, my pleasure. Yeah. So and thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today for the show. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes, including an interview with Siri. All coming out in season two as we kick off the second year of the Evolving Digital Self. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. Have a time. great Christmas. Embrace your loved ones. Absolutely. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.